Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Yes, I am. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Please keep sharing the podcast. We very much appreciate it. Um, I only have a slight headache today. How how did you feel once you got up? I feel pretty good. I'm, yeah. pro, I'm a pro, pro at this point. Um, uh, my drink of choice last night was uh, red wine. Your drink of choice last night was bourbon. bourbon. I, I, if I drank red wine all night, I would be miserable. Yeah, I, I, I know where the limit's at. I, I, was, I, I pushed up against that last night. But the key was we both uh, slugged a lot of water at the end of the yeah, night. Yeah, we did. So that was huge. Um, and I was attempting to uh, pair my red wine with my very first crack at uh, the beef brisket yes. in the smoker uh, yep. last night. Uh, the the Greek grandparents, my mom and dad, uh, were the in town. Papadopoulos. The <laughs> That's 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 perfect. So they were they were up this weekend to uh, to not see me and my wife, of course, to see the kids. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, learned a lot. That was the second time I have ever uh, smoked. Uh, shout out to Vegas sportsbook guy who happens to be one of my best friends. He was kind of my uh, okay pit master gotcha. uh, to try to help me out with that. So yeah, you had, you had a, a ringer in there, uh, dude. You, you need help. You that is. Oh, a, I would not go into a, it on my own. That's that's. But a, that. But I feel like that's kind of unlike you to because you, you you're a curious man. So I could see yeah. you you find topics interesting. But I would I would have to get some advice. Think I think first. Yes. I, I mean, sure. I would I would read up on it and and learn the craft a little bit before I tried. But I would definitely talk to someone that knew what they were doing Had as to. well. Had to. And the funny thing about this is. Uh, I got the said smoker years and years ago, yeah. almost ten years ago. Uh, By the way, Mrs. I didn't get Greek, to see it. What, what does it? What brand? Is uh, it, I think it's. Is it a Traeger? Built, I mean, built mass. No, it's okay. not Traeger. Not Traeger. Uh, my uh, marriage vows predated Traeger to the best. Of, I mean, oh, is that right? Okay, I'm, I'm sure that's not really true. But when Traeger got uh, you know popular, anyway, sure. so we've never took it out of the box in in almost ten years. Um, I don't know. Just we moved. There was always like another project going on, and I yeah. knew that smoking was like a commitment. And and finally this year, I'm like this summer, I'm like I'm I'm gonna do it. So we finally took it out of the box. Um, smoked some horrible uh, ribs last weekend, but that was the first one out. Uh, but that's when I learned about smoke spoil. That's what happens when you oh. get too much uh, spoil uh, smoke in it. Yep. That's what happened last weekend with the ribs. This time I took the time to try to learn the through. I mean, it was a fifty five dollar uh, uh wow. thing of brisket you know i mean it was a big four and a half pound thing of brisket i you know so, if i'm having barbecue i think brisket is is what it's I the want. best and that's yeah. why that's why i wanted to do that so i think well you tell me but i think the flavor was good flavor was very good okay. it like like we talked about last night a little bit on the dry side Correct. but not bad right but then that one cut that i had at the very end was absolutely perfect which was cutting and that's another thing i learned is like the cut matters too um like if you were serving up a food critic i w- would have known by the end exactly what exactly which piece to give said sure food because yeah. if you cut well, a little bit thing. of the fat into it like like it, it's from start to finish down to the very end of cutting there's all the rules you got to follow so. well and there's no way you can get perfect consistency through the whole cut of meat i wouldn't think so because it's di- it's different um uh, thickness obviously through yeah the whole and that's thing. what i realized eating it last night is yeah how hard that must be for like 
a professional smoker to, to get a, a piece of meat perfect. And to do it a high percentage of the time. Yeah. So, um, and then um, I got to try to figure out a way to to push through the meat stall, which is a, a definite thing. It stalled out at about 165 degrees, nice. uh, which is usually right around 170. I wrapped it. Uh, which is the Texas Crutch. Um, you can wrap it in tin foil or um, um, uh, butcher's paper. No butcher's paper in in the Greek house, so we went with tin foil. So I think that added to the bark not being okay. as barky. Oh, it had yeah. bark, but it was a little it was a little soft. Yeah, so that's a thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. You want it to be a, have a little more texture to a it, a little bit I more guess. texture and, and not toughness. That's probably not the way. Yeah. But you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying. So. Yeah. Anyways, like I think the only thing I'm ever gonna learn is brisket. I'm gonna do a pork shoulder at some yeah, point, and then it. ribs, and that's it. Because like every freaking meat has got a different set of rules, and oh gosh, homie ain't got time much. for that. Yeah, like so. I can't even imagine trying to do a turkey, like smoking turkey or chicken. Mm. Chicken's probably easier, got a little more juice in it, but turkey seems like it would just dry out so bad. I would think so too. Yeah, I just I'll just throw that in the oven. You know what I mean? Like, I'll do something else with that. So, um, big weekend in the Greek household because the other thing uh, that transpired just today, just earlier today on Sunday, uh, the the five-year-old little Greek had his first uh, football practice slash game. Nice. Um, oh, it's he, a practice slash game. Wow, yeah, we just practiced. Jumped right in just it. jumped right in. No training camp. No training. So, I mean, it's it's as you would think. It's five and six-year-olds. It's very much hurt, hurting kittens. I mean, Absolutely. that's all you're doing the whole time. Um, uh, he did an amazing impression of his dad's college career in that he never came off the sidelines the oh entire boy. time. Really? Just did he just not want to purchase scared, scared spitless the entire time. Okay. Yeah. And then the funny thing is the two and a half year old Greek, he was crying because we wouldn't let him of go course. in. Of course. Five year old Greek crying because we were trying to make him go in. Um, so, I joked with the other dads that we were holding out for more money. <laughs> Naturally. So that was the highlight of the practice. I got a good chuckle from the other coaches and dads. Other than that, it was a complete dumpster fire. So do they actually wear equipment? Do they, is no. It, it's flag? Is the, it flag, flag football? football. Okay. They, they each get their own jersey. Um, you could technically have a mouthpiece in. I'm like, <laughs> mouthpiece? Like, are we, there was, I mean, almost none of the kids wore, wore mouthpiece. Right. They're just running around. Like, literally, the plays were... Uh, banana left and banana right, which okay. is basically a left dive and a right dive. Sure. And then the other one was applesauce left or right, where you tried to do a reverse, a reverse handoff. Okay. No throwing, no catching. That's way beyond their their skill level. Wow, that must have been exciting. Um, there was uh, the the head coach is an ex Gopher. I okay, will, I will keep him nameless. Sure. His kid, is he, so he played O line. His kid's like a foot taller than everybody else oh, really? out there. Yeah, and he ran for a long touchdown. Uh, okay, and I and I. I slapped his dad on the back. I'm like, take a mental picture of that because once he gets high yeah. enough, he's like, oh yeah, he's never touching the ball the rest of his career. So yeah. it was it was fun. So, so when did you start playing organized sports? Uh, sixth grade. So organized sports? Yeah, like, well, a little bit. You know, like a little that. league or a, a yeah, little league soccer. So it would have been would have been little league baseball, which was like yeah, me too. I think I was eight. Yeah, I mean, little league baseball was definitely the first one. I didn't play organized football until I was sixth grade. Uh, seventh grade for me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's just how it goes. Right. All right. Okay. So I wanted to yeah. bequeath to you okay. my copy of Champion Underdog, The Improbable Success Story, the 1995 Northwestern football team wow. by our own Tim Chappie Chapman. Tim he's a, Chapman. He's a super fan. And I, I read it. Great book. Um, I was reading it. And I'm thinking, you know, it's 
written really well. And then I remember, I think his background is in English. Okay. So he's like a regular Bill Shakespeare. He's but <laughs> did did a good job writing it. Um, any Big Ten fan, it, it just brings back a lot of memories. So the, the nice. two teams they didn't play that year were Michigan State and Ohio State. So there's really nothing about those two teams okay. almost. But every other, you know, he goes over every other game and the, cool. all these names. Like what know, was cool about or what was important sure. about that game going into yeah. it and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, he really does a good job building up each wow. game. And, he did and a good like, job selling that right there. Um, and how, how about that? A Illinois fan handing an Iowa fan a book about Northwestern football. Yeah. The, the world can come together someday. Right. I mean, it, you know, it, so I was what 95, I was 20 years old and, you know, I was in college at that time. So I lived that season. You know, I was at the, the Northwestern Illinois game that he does a good job describing in there. And I remember it like, as I'm reading, I'm like, I remember every part of this game. Like I remember that wow. we were winning in the fourth quarter and Darnell Autry, scores on the goal line on fourth down right in front of me it was directly in front of me i was basically on the goal line when he scored gotcha heartbreaking so it's 90, 95 right 95 yeah so the interesting thing about that is that was when i was getting recruited sure um and they were they were hotter on my trail at the beginning of the year than they were at the end of the year oh. as they started as they started winning games wow but, yeah interesting so I don't, I don't know if the old if the old Greek GPA was uh, exactly right. you know where they needed it back right. back in the nineties, but anyways. Well, what, speaking of recruiting, something I did not know is that Barnett. Now this is pre recruiting services, pre modern era of recruiting, but in his first real class, which I guess would have been the ninety three class, it was a top twenty five class. Wow! Which everybody at the t- and I don't remember that. Yeah. But at either. the time, everyone was shocked. They couldn't believe that this guy had come to Northwestern and brought in a top twenty-five. Well, when we get into Northwestern's uh, draft stuff, I mean, there's a reason behind that. Well, here's another one. Just you know, I don't want to talk too much about it and you know, give anything away. But I had forgotten this at some point along the line. <laughs> he really does a good job going over the absolutely putrid history of Northwestern mm-hmm. football leading up to Gary Barnett becoming yep. the head coach. And uh, they had only gone to one bowl game in their history, yep. 1949 Rose Bowl. And I read that. And I guess I knew that at some point, and I'd forgotten it. But that is unbelievable. It's tough to do. It It is. Yep. And I think they had won two Big Ten championships in their history, okay. which is tough to do because at that point, you're talking 100 years. Right. They'd been the Big Ten for 100 years. All right, man. I will give it a read ASAP. Yep. Um, all right. So before we get into the heart of the podcast, got a couple uh, housekeeping items. Yeah, I got three of them here. First of all, Heather Dinich from some organization called Espen. Never heard of them. College Football Playoff Committee is considering expansion going to affect as early as 2023 and considering expansion anywhere from six to 16 teams. So hmm. my question to you, let's say, because it's, it's inevitable, right? Yep. Okay. If you had to choose, how many teams would you go with? That's, I'd go eight. I mean, you're saying okay, I'd you, go zero because I'd go back to polls and me bowls. Too. But you're saying if they you, you have no, no choice, eight. they're expanding. Eight. I would just go sixteen. Why okay. not? What the hell? Okay. I mean, let's just 128. Why not 128? Just do it. The only go thing that makes me nervous about, well, not the only thing, but the main thing that makes me nervous about sixteen is, you know, watering down the regular season. Well, that's my on biggest top concern. of. Are they going to start cutting? a game off of the schedule I know, from that would, 12 to that 11 because too. the teams that do, do go are obviously going to play a lot more football games, which then wouldn't make any sense for 95% of the football programs out there that either A, aren't going to make the playoffs and B, going to go very far in the playoffs. So I if know. you, I don't know. 
And by when they do that, if let's say they go to 16, there's going to be some ugly first round games. You would think so. Oh, they're going to be disgusting. I would I would assume that would be the case. But, but all it take but I'll say this, all it would take is one two, uh, 15 over a 2. Yeah. to to dial people in. We'll see. I don't know. I think it would take a number of years for that. It, that it would have to be at 16 for a few years for that even to be a possibility. I agree, because I think at that point it would be a situation where maybe recruits would start expanding out. Would. And then we got NAL stuff. I mean, it would take things like that. Anyway, yeah. NCAA Rules Oversight Committee has approved some changes to overtime. How do you feel about overtime? Um, my general thought process is I seem to like it more than what I believe most. I, I don't know. It's just... And maybe it's Twitter or maybe it's just people's general nature. But the second the overtime starts for college football, immediately people just start whining about it. And I'm like, I don't like overtime. You, you don't like? Okay. No, get it done at 60, baby. So tie or, what, or whatnot? Well, no. Okay. No, I, I, I want, I guess I want the quickest resolution to the game after you go 60. If okay. you go 60, let's just do something, get this thing over with. So you're okay? more hockey shootout than you are yes. extra period type of deal. Correct. Okay. Even I've... though the hockey shootout is the dumbest thing in the world. Well, if you if you wanted to win the game, do it in the first in the first 60 minutes. Then. Right, right. Um I so I guess I don't dislike the current overtime setup as much as most people seem. I every time college football is a little bit different than the NFL, that I like that. That's I that, do too. I think that's that's cool. Um, the amount of games that have gone into three and four overtimes is not nearly as plentiful as you think it is. It's just that yeah. when they happen, they are so memorable. The LSU Texas A&M game, I think, was two years ago. But those don't happen very no. often. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. But essentially, they're just going to try to force you into two-point conversions quicker. Correct? Well, yeah. So they're going to play the first overtime as usual. By the second overtime, you have to start going for two-point conversions Previously, it was the third overtime. And now, starting at the third overtime, they're just going to do alternating two-point conversions. Yeah. Which they were doing, at, I guess, at the end of the fifth overtime before. Okay. I say just do the two-point right away. Actually, I want to see that play out. Yeah, okay. I, I think one possession, how we have it, is fine because... It could like it could be over pretty quick. I mean, you could have one over, and it, it, that happens a lot. It's over it in one overtime yeah. quite a bit. Um, so I like the at least one possession like that. Then go more into the the I don't know I don't know if this is the right word to use, but more hokey, you know, two point conversion. It is thing, hokey, but, th- but I tell you what, that's gonna be exciting to watch. It's a two point conversion. Yeah, deal. it will I mean, be exciting to watch. Yeah. Okay, moving on. SportsIllustrated.com. Ross Dellinger reporting the football. Oversight Committee considering a reduction in full padded practices from 21 to 8. I guess this is in preseason camp is what they're talking about. And also abolishment completely of collision exercises such as the Oklahoma drill and limited to two scrimmages per camp. It was three and a half. How do you do a half scrimmage? I don't know. I just hate all of this. This is ridiculous. And I... Listen, when we, again, when we started this podcast, we had two roles. We're going to talk about all 14 teams, and we're going to be ourselves. I am being myself, and I'm, I'm viewing this from the prism of an Iowa football fan in the fact that I believe we are a physical practicing program. Sure. This is what has helped the Iowa football program be who they are for many, many years. You're hurting the Iowa football program with this rule, and I really don't know how I can see it any other way. You know, that's a good point. I didn't even think of it that way. And now that you mention it, with Burt being coach at Illinois, it's gonna be the same thing. Absolutely. He's made it really you clear. Beat me that, to it. I was gonna Yep. Yep. That's gonna hurt that's gonna hurt Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois in my mind. 
And, so, and I'll be honest with you, at two, two years ago, I would have thought this rule would have hurt Nebraska or would have helped Nebraska. I think Nebraska has been going the way of Iowa, Illinois, they? and okay. Wisconsin. I mean, m- more of a run-based lean on the defense. That's the team sure. they were kind of rounding into yeah, being sure. last year. And yeah, I think – so I don't know if it helps them that much. I don't know. Doesn't – I doubt – well, I don't know. Does P.J. like to hit a lot? <clears throat> Minnesota too? Okay. I mean, they're – they they built themselves from the inside out. So then I guess – I mean, g- honestly, the whole Big Time West almost do a certain right, degree. So the, the, that's, but that's kind of what I'm getting at is that might be the good news is it all kind of evens out for the West. Maybe, I guess. Because it's such a grinded out division. But you know who it's going to help the most? Ohio State. Yes. It's going to help the Blue Bloods even more. Correct. Do they know that? Do they even, <laughs> no. do they know and don't care or they just don't think it? I don't know. Or maybe, maybe it's the Blue Bloods pushing stuff like this and they just, oh, well, Ohio State and Alabama won it, so we got to do it. Like, I, are, are, are the injuries this horrible that we, that we need to do this? You know, we, because you, if you keep legislating the collisions out of this sport, guess who's going to stop being a part of the sport? The fans. The fans, yes. And again, me and you have talked about this. We matter. The fans. Yes. The fans matter. In fact, if you don't have fans, you probably don't have a sport. Yeah. I, I tell you what, NCAA, try living without us for a year. Just see how it goes. And then come back and tell us if you want us back or not. I mean, it maybe wouldn't, I don't know. I was going to say it maybe wouldn't hurt as much with people about our age or older because we're already hooked in the sport. And maybe it would hurt more with younger people that just don't, you know, have the feel doesn't give them the feels that we got as sure. young men and it, and it fails to grab them. And yeah, because maybe. of that, I don't know. I don't know. What do, what do you think is the most uh, contact practices you've ever done in a week? Like when we were at Iowa, N- any point in your career, high school two, college, two or three, two a week, a week. Yeah. I mean, in high school. Like, okay. How about this? Full padded practices. Yeah. Most in a week. I mean, dude, in, in, in my high school, Every practice was full padded except for Thursday. Uh, so it, ours too, but like, what about training camp? We did two a days yeah. during the week, and I think we had one practice on oh, Saturday. Well, I'm thinking during the season. No, I'm talking about question. Yeah, camp during the week during. So camp. that's that's eleven practices. I mean, we went shells quite a bit at Iowa. I I I did not know what shells were until we got to Iowa. I'm like, right. we we just get to run around in shorts, and I'm like, oh. and then we even had like. The, the shell shells thing where yeah. it wasn't even your shoulder pads. It was just like a upper body, like literally like little padding thing. Yeah. The that, spider, right? Yeah. Isn't that freaking, yeah. that was incredible. The only thing you had, had to wear was your helmet. Um, hmm. I, I mean, I, you kind of put me on the spot. I would think during two a days, I mean, we probably went, I mean, probably half of the practice was for padding. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not, I don't like it. I'm not advocating necessarily for 11 padded practices a week. No, of course. But they, teams aren't doing that anyways because they no. they don't want to get players injured. Yeah, you can't do and that. And again, another thing, you know, and I, I don't know if you just said it or not, but like, are we sure that not practicing tackling is is not going to lead to more injuries and Potentially issues? Potentially more, I know. When they kind of freak out going in for the tackle and then you wind up going head first because you spent so little time practicing the technique i mean I, am i crazy eight full padded practices that just doesn't seem like enough to me. so is it eight full padded practice plus the two scrimmages i think that's, that's a my, little bit better that's a little bit better because yeah. the first time i read it i'm like okay so if it's eight full practices that means four scrimmages and four padded practices that's it that's all you would have i i mean the 
amount of tackling and technique that's going to have to be taught on those padded practice like and scrimmages is going to have to be off the charts. Yeah, we're just going to start seeing really, really bad tackling. Not that it's great nowadays, but it's just going to get putrid. And I can tell you one thing, it's already gotten more and more putrid at the high school level from the high school teams or games I've watched over the years. It's 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 basically turned it into seven on seven up front. Well, that's yeah, it's going to look a lot like seven on seven. I don't like it. Don't care if I'm back to being an old man yelling at cloud. Is this part two of old man yelling at cloud? There's probably going to be a lot more parts, brother. (laughs) Me and you. But anyways, definitely worth bringing up. So thanks for digging that up. Yeah, that's everything for housekeeping. Okay. So that will get us into the heart of the podcast, which is going to be a NFL draft specific podcast. Uh, Obviously, we're just going to focus on uh, Big Ten players in this draft. You can certainly get to... A lot more uh, uh, draft coverage across the board. Shout out, once again, uh, to our boy Dustin Shooty. We'll stop bringing him up on the podcast when he stops giving us great content to to read and, yep. and talk about. Uh, but I got a little bit into, I got about two teams into uh, uh, the pl- uh, Big Ten players getting drafted. And I thought, man, this is this is some hard shit. I wonder if somebody just did an article. I'm like, wait a second. I looked up Dustin. There he <laughs> why, was. He why would I do the work if he's Dustin. already done it? So Dustin already did it for me. Um, so I very much appreciate that. A lot of the uh, the projections. And I don't know if it was so much uh, Dustin making the projections himself as it is pulling it out from yeah. different prognosticators. Sure, yeah. I mean, obviously, the NFL draft is one of the bigger sporting events. Me and you are going to be watching it together with a couple cocktails uh, Thursday night. Very much big fan of it. Um now before so the format that we're going to do for it is essentially start at the top uh and then work our way through the big 10 teams i'm going to try to give a little data how many first round draft picks each team has had maybe a couple little more interesting of the draft picks and we'll have a quick back and forth with that then we'll move on to the next team yep so before we even get to that this is something that i've always thought about and i've been interested in what you think about this this i just i always Picture this in my head when GMs are are looking at their draft potential draft picks, who they like, what they're looking for would probably be the best way I would say it. So basically what I'm talking about is do these scouts and and GMs and maybe, you know, to a certain degree, coaches, you know, whoever's a part of the uh, the draft process for each team, like do they look really hard at natural ability versus manufactured ability. And what I'm getting at is hmm. let's say, okay, there are athletes that are 6'4", 262 pounds, run a four, five, two bench, 225, 18 times right out of high school. Right. Yeah. The freaks. They sure. go to Ohio state, Penn state and Michigan. Everyone else. Yep. Okay. Then there are athletes that come in about the same height, but they're 40 pounds lighter run about a four, seven. They don't play right away, but then they wind up six, four, 257 run a 458 and bench 225 16 times what i'm getting at is like the athlete that is developed at a program like Iowa Wisconsin whatnot gets eerily close to 
the freak athlete. Now that's not that's not Micah Parsons withstanding. Those well, guys remain freaks. But, but you, hold on, is it is it natural ability versus development, or is it just earlier development versus later development? Well, that could be too. That's because, a really good. That's yeah. a really good. I question. mean, it's just because a guy you know runs a four four out of high school doesn't mean he wasn't developed in high school. He someone developed him. He developed himself. Bingo. So well. <clears throat> I mean, basically, their pituitary was more a- is, was yeah. active earlier than life Correct. than other guys. Okay, yeah. that's that is honestly, I never, I didn't think about it with the angle like that. I guess the point I'm trying to get to is, in the end, when you're roughly 20, 21, 22, 23 years old, by the time you've gotten through college, whether you were there for three years or four or five, like, I, I, it seems like these NFL teams gravitate towards. I think they even are star sniffers. When they're when they're looking at kids for uh, yeah. uh, players for the draft, like I, I would say that's probably there's some of that I would say where, where they just I think they are so in love with that natural ability that they believe was there since he was right. 16 years old. It that even carries those players. I mean, okay. Here, let me give you a situation. If you had two players that were had identical measurements, one went to Iowa, one went to Ohio State. They're gonna draft the Ohio State. Bingo. Guy. I think so. Bingo. I think. Because he was a bigger name coming out of high school and because he went to the Ohio State. And part of that might be just safety. Like, oh, if I draft an Ohio State guy and he misses, nobody can blame me for that. You know what? I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Bringing the human nature. That's actually a fantastic point. Um, And then the last thing, too, is natural ability versus production. Okay? Obviously, there are tons of guys that have amazing ability and have production, but then there are even more guys, I would say that are never going to have the measurables. They're never going to run the flashy 40 time. They're never going to have, you know, the great, uh, uh, 40 inch, you know, vertical leap and whatnot. But then you go back and you look at their career and you're like, the guy stayed healthy and he was productive. You know, that's a big one that I don't think you hear. How many times, how many times do those guys have to either, not get drafted and make the team and never leave a roster or get drafted in the sixth round, even though they were a first or second round production person in college. And those guys stick around because like, you know, it's I, I understand you want to go after the freak athletes because there's the difference makers, but the rest of your football team needs to be football players, right? Yes. Now this is interesting. You know, you, you see the 40 yard dash time, you see the shuttle, the three cone, Bench press, vertical, all that. But you don't see like a film grade on guys. Like you'd think they'd at least do like a, a this guy's A minus on film. Or like, I don't know, put his PFF score. I know PFF isn't the end all be all, but it's something, right? And and a health score. Why not a health score too? I think you're freaking up amazing points. Yeah. Th- and that's mostly what I'm talking about. There's going to be a couple guys we're going to name uh, that I get it, but I don't get it. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, man, I just... It's like you get penalized for being a productive player for some of these guys. Some of them, yeah. It, and I, I just think it's ridiculous. I, If I was a GM, don't get me wrong, I would be going after – I'd be a 40 sniffer for certain positions and stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, just extreme, you know, top-level speed in some positions, I would be attracted to that. But around the second round, definitely in the third round, I'm just drafting ballers at that point. Sure. I don't know. That- it's just my thought. Maybe one project in the sixth round or something like that. But remember the Raiders drafted Hayward Bay out of Maryland. <laughs> I mean, it still sticks. I mean, like, 
Al Davis has been dead for like what ten years? I don't know. But every single time you sit down with a group of guys, like, oh, Raiders gonna take a fast wide receiver because that's just what they did, man. Everyone was shocked. Yeah, like hey, wait, the hey? first what he was like the sixth overall pick oh, or dude. something. That's crazy and shocking. He, he, he it did didn't pan out. No. Okay. All right. So before we get into the first team, which is going to be Ohio State, we're gonna talk. We're gonna the most special player in the history of this podcast is going to get a little bit more special runtime now, uh, which is Justin Fields. Okay. Uh, there is absolutely no doubt. He's been a, a, uh, quite the topic, a hot topic for Twitter with relation to big 10 football and the draft. So if we would have recorded this podcast, just what, four days ago, we would not have had all the information that we have now, um, so essentially what has just come out is that Justin Fields suffers, suffers from epilepsy. Yeah. Um, from what we've heard, it's, it runs in his family and at a certain age, my guess is like around 25 or so, most of his family members have grown out of it. That's what it sounds like. And yeah. beat it. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think I've professed my, my man love for Justin Fields quite a bit on this podcast. So it continues on. I very much hope he will be healthy, not just during his NFL career, but but moving forward. So, you know, thoughts and prayers for lack lack of a better way of putting it. I hope Justin Fields is healthy and can and can continue on. Well, it, it at least explains these projections of him going fifth quarterback overall because it just baffled my mind that he wasn't the automatic number two. Now we Correct. know why. Correct. And I have listened to other. Um, um, podcasts. I've read other sources of info. Many of them also think that Justin Fields should be the second quarterback yeah. off the board. Um, BYU's quarterback looks good. I guess sure. NDSU's quarterback looks good. Sure. I, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of the level of play jump and you know stuff like As that. Am I. Um, but the thing that just absolutely blew my mind that was the knock on him was this whole. He only throws the ball to his first read stuff that was going around just ad nauseum that they were saying that. And my thing is this. Okay. He completed 68.4% of his career throws. Okay. He uh, had a, what was it? 67 to eight touchdown to interception ratio just through that. Maybe the reason he threw to his first choice as receiver so often <laughs> it's because he was having a lot of success doing it. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, with his accuracy, he does a wide receiver. He doesn't need to be wide open. If he thinks he can get the ball there, he gets the ball there. Thank you. Like what's he supposed to do? Look off what he thinks is a surefire first down or touchdown on his first read Sure, to check down to his third, you know, option running back just to prove that he can check down. no, you're gonna or, you're gonna take the better throw. How about, how about checking from one touchdown to another touchdown? They didn't <laughs> right, do that, that enough. And my guess is he probably <laughs> did that quite a bit. I did see a decent amount of you know quote unquote quarterback gurus that were out there saying, okay, take all of that stuff and throw it away as nonsense. 
here's a couple game films where you know options where we know he has checked down. Like well, it's I mean, pretty I'm obvious. I'm thinking some of the tougher down. games, like the Clemson games and the Bama games. Like he he had to check down. Absolutely, had to check. And down. he was, or he again hit his first receiver. Yeah. perfectly for gigantic right. You know touchdowns. Um, so Tony Gerdman at Tony Gerdman, he's the lead football writer for Buckeye Scoop. He had a tweet way back on March 30th that I was hilarious. It was during Justin Fields' first pro day because he had to have a second pro day for whatever reason. And he put out a tweet. It says. Uh, watches Justin Fields throw to one receiver at a time during pro day workout. He still locks on his first read, yeah. which is a joke because obviously sure, there's one, there's uh, one guy there. receiver running, but, and then in the end, I kind of wonder if, if it, even with, if there was knowledge of the epilepsy, I still kind of wonder if it was smokescreen for other teams to get up there because they want to yeah. draft Justin. Fields. I know. I, I always wonder about the smoke screen when it comes to NFL draft and projecting these guys. Yeah. When a guy starts falling, I'm like, I don't even know if I buy that. Uh, so, you know, uh, before we get going on this uh, too much, I'm a Giants fan, so that will maybe come out in a couple times because I'm basically going to talk about a couple guys that I hope lands on the Giants yeah. roster. You're a Packer fan. Maybe we'll kind of get into that a little bit. I, I I still like Danny Dimes as my quarterback. He has thrown or he has shown flashes of, of good quarterback I tell you what, play. I, I don't watch a lot of NFL, but I did watch him once last year, and I was pretty impressed with right. him. Right. I'm mean, pretty impressed. With that being said, if Justin Fields fell to 11 to the Giants, and if they took Justin Fields, I would have no issues with sure. that. Sure. No, no. ever. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I would you encourage can, it. You can always trade a guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Cardinals, right? They did that, right? They took, uh, they took um, uh, what's-his-face on the West Coast first, and then they took Murray the very next year. Oh, and they, that's right. Yeah, they got you're like right. The UCLA rounder. kid and yeah, then Rosen. Josh Rosen, Rosen yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not – it's not unprecedented no. if something like that happens. So first up, okay, the Ohio State Buckeyes. All right, now, uh, as a pre-warning to not only Buckeye fans, but every fan base, Nebraska, Ohio State, Michigan, I did my best to count the number one picks for each team. I'm using Wikipedia, and I'm literally oh, just scrolling down. The first two or three teams, I was trying to be exact, and by about team four or five, I'm like, listen. So there's there's no resource that shows you I'm number sure there one? Is. I'm sure there is. There's probably somebody be. listening to this right now screaming like, oh, my God, just go to blah, 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 dot yeah. com. And, but I, I just went to Wikipedia because yeah. I'm comfortable with reading the data on the screen. So if I'm off by a pick or two, you know, if you want to let me know about it on Twitter, that's great. But I, I did my best. I'm, right. I'm I'm doing this, you know, pro bono. So um, I think Ohio State has had 83 first round picks wow. in their illustrious history. 83. <laughs> so and uh, the draft started what year? Like 67, I think. Well, the, the official the, NFL draft. But NFL the draft, draft started. And I did go all the way back to like the beginning. 30s, I want to say. Correct, all the way back to the 30s. So, okay, I, so I went all the way back to the beginning for pro football, AFL. So they basically averaged one first rounder a year. <laughs> It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, they had five each in 2006 and 16. Wow. Um, linebacker Tom Cuisno was their number one oh, overall. Cuisno. I think Cuisno. Cuisno. Okay. So. Number one overall in 1979. Big uh, Dan Wilkerson, defensive tackle, yeah. was number one overall in 1994. Orlando Pace overall yes. in 1997. Uh, you know, uh, Edge's Nick Bosa and Chase Young have been number two the past two drafts. Um, the amount of top five picks they have had, just top five okay. picks, I guarantee 
they have more top five picks alone in the first round than most teams in the Big Ten have for for top picks history. It just just scroll through. It is it's absolutely insane. It's as good, maybe even a little bit better than you would you would expect it to be. Well, um, some interesting guys are uh, linebacker uh, uh, Baron Browning. Um, he has been kind of all over the board. Sometimes you know third, fourth, fifth round that he could go. I'm kind of interested in him. Like he ran like a four five on his pro day, madly inconsistent at Ohio State. I wonder if he was just kind of out of position. I sure. think he'd be more of a three four edge rusher. He is going to be very one interesting those, one for one of those early development guys we were talking about. Very much so. Yeah, he's like, a five star. But but that's what is going to I think intrigue teams about him. So I could see him wind up going a little bit higher, um, um, as high as the second round because of that talent. But he is very interesting. He's got a he kind of stinks of a little boom and bust to me. Yeah. But that's what makes him interesting. Yeah, because he's like on film, he just doesn't jump out. Production. Yeah. It's like, he, it, oh, he jumps out. He was for two plays and then he jumps yeah, back into like anonymity. You just kind of watch him. Most of the time, you're just like, he's a guy. Yeah. He's, he's a out guy. There. He's, he's out playing there. football. Then you move into the other side. Um, the, these are both two guys that I would be extremely happy to see in, in Big Blue. Offensive lineman Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. So they go in anywhere from the late second to into the fourth round. I think they are stellar offensive linemen. They are going to be a steal. If they go deep into the second round, into the third and fourth, those guys are, which they probably will, they're probably going to be third and fourth rounders. Dude, I just, I think they are 10 year starters in the league, both of them, especially Wyatt Davis. Yeah, I love Davis. So did you know? So we had talked about this one time before on the cast. That Davis's dad played the middle linebacker and the character in the program. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Dukes right. or something like okay. that. All right. But did you know his grandfather was Willie Davis for the Packers, the Hall of Fame wow. defense? I just found that out like a week ago. Wow. How did how did that never come up? How do we know that Barry Alvarez's grandson plays for the Wisconsin Badgers <laughs> right. five times a game? We've never heard that. I yeah. mean, so, somebody said that, and I'm like, no, that can't possibly be true. Right. It's true. Yeah. Did you know how tall and how much uh, Filetle? ways for I just Harry's really big. You should look it up. He's yeah. big. He's big. Um another guy that's a late not late but just not first or second round defensive uh tackle Tommy Togaye 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 Again, I just don't think he ever got into a groove. He was he had health yeah. issues. He just in the but, silly season, you know, yep. missing games and stuff. You just could never you never got to see him to his full potential, I don't think. I feel much better. And I guess that's kind of compared to And then he sat out Bar- the, the playoff game. Yep. I, I think he is not worthy of a first-round pick. Don't get me wrong. But, again, this is going to be a guy that maybe is an all-pro but is going to play in the league a long time. Uh, Trey Sermon, linebacker Pete Warner, they're probably going about where they should go, fourth or fifth round. I like Trey Sermon, but I don't think he's as much of a difference maker as as you would need to draft him high at that position. Yeah, I mean, so. it, well, running backs just don't have a, as much value in the NFL as other other positions. Otherwise, I would say higher because I think he's a beast. Yes, I mean, he in terms of talent, he seems like five seems way too low, but it's just because he's a running back. It's a running back. I, Yes, it, don't get me wrong. Running back definitely plays into where he's going to get drafted. I think there's maybe a couple other difference makers at running back a little bit more than him. But sure. uh, it'll, again, now for a running back, that same type of career is, is a three or four year career. And right. That's, you know, now, the other thing about out. about him, though, is he really 
you you've got you don't have a ton of film on him from last year because he really wasn't playing that much early in the season, and it wasn't until those last handful of games when he really came on. Correct. We got another guy that we might talk about that kind of falls into that same category. All right, then we're gonna move on to the Northwestern Wildcats. Eight first rounders in their history. So huh. I was really curious when I started looking through them. So are, about, they, are they last in like all time? N- not in the Big Ten. Okay, but pretty close. Okay. Um, so their highest pick uh, is fourth. Was a fourth overall pick in their in their history. Chris okay. Hinton. Yes, nailed it. Bam! <laughs> wow, Chris Hinton. Offensive tackle in 1983. Got traded for John Elway, right? Really? Didn't they get traded? I think so. That's why why I record this podcast with you. Yeah, because didn't didn't the Colts draft Elway, and he didn't want to play for the Colts, and they traded him with him. They swapped He was part of the package. I think so, yeah. Wow, good for you. Okay, so they had two. They've had two picks fourth overall, so you nailed the first one. If you get the other one, I'm going to be very impressed. Another one fourth overall? Yes. Uh, How about... Well, it couldn't have been Otto Graham because I. Yes! Oh, okay. Oh my God. Are you serious? <laughs> Otto Graham from Waukegan High School. That was. I cannot believe you just nailed Otto Graham in 1944. I'm going to be honest with you. You got. You nailed that. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I didn't even know Otto Graham played at Northwestern until oh, I did really? Steve Dye. So, I mean, okay. 1944, a bit before my time. I cannot believe you just nailed that. Okay, hold on. You are off to a scorching start. I got to tell a quick Otto Graham story. <laughs> okay. I, I actually have an Otto Graham okay, story. Okay. I mean, if you- Good friend that I grew up with, his. His grandmother was getting towards the end of her life, was in the nursing home, and he went to visit his grandma. You know, it, it, probably, you know, his parents probably oh, said, come on, you got to go go visit grandma. And so he's sitting there, and, you know, so tell us the story, grandma. And she's kind of this crotchety old lady. Didn't oh, you know? I think I know where you're going with this. So she's like, he, she finds like, he's, oh, I think he asked like, well, what about in high school? Did you go to any dances in high school? Tell me about a dance you went to in high school. Oh, yeah, I went to the prom. This guy, Otto, asked me, and I didn't like Otto, never liked him. I thought he was so full of himself, Otto. And he kept, she kept saying, Otto. And she was just complaining about this Otto guy. And and then she's like, oh, big football star, fancy Otto. I guess he went on to play at Northwestern or something. So my friend goes, wait, aren't, Grandma, you go Waukegan, right? You were from Waukegan High School? She's like, yeah. And he goes, what's his name, Otto Graham? She goes, Oh, that was it? Otto Graham. How did you know that? That is hilarious. She had no idea that she went to a dance with Otto Graham. She should have she played her cards a little bit more, uh, you know, along the lines of what Otto Graham uh, wanted. But yeah. I, don't know how, I don't know how wealthy Otto finished his. Okay. So, uh, Northwestern has not had a first-round draft pick since 2005. If you nail this one, I'll be impressed again. Do you know who it was? In 2005, they had? Yep. Um, is that defensive end, right? Louis Castillo. Okay. I, yeah. I wouldn't have come up with his name. But you knew it was defensive end. Yeah. Okay. So no first round picks in almost in over 15 years. Yeah. That's but crazy. I don't know. That's probably not that atypical for most people. It's not. Programs. I mean, especially when you have, well, right. Yeah. But especially when you only have eight. But I, I'm just saying there's been a lot of Northwestern success since Chappie wrote that, you know, the team that Chappie oh, yeah. wrote that book about. Um, but they're just, the lack of first round talent is yeah. very telling to the program. Now we fast forward to this year. They're probably going to have two first round picks in the same draft. So you think you think both of them are gone? I mean, I think it's I think it's a definite that Rashawn Slater, offensive tackle, North for Bla- sure, he, he is like ninety nine point nine percent going in the first round, um, just because nothing's one hundred percent. 
Like, he's so good that when I knew he was sitting out the Rona year, that actually led me to think Northwestern was going to drop back because it was such a loss that he created. I have seen uh, projections that say he's the best offensive tackle available in the draft with Penny Sewell being in the draft. Wow. I've heard nothing but just rave reviews about him from all the scouts. Again, if, if this is a recurring thing, I apologize. If the New York Giants pick him at 11th, I would be ecstatic. And actually, that's where Dustin Schutte has him slotted to going. The the Giants need massive help on their offensive line. I would love to see him well, on their team. So speaking of, you know who I would love to see the Packers draft? I'm not even sure it's really the, like one of their top needs. But my man crush, yours is Justin Fields. Mine's Greg Newsom. Absolutely. I love that guy. Yeah. He re- Especially at the end of last year. There was nobody playing better at the cornerback position nope. in the Big Ten for sure than Correct. him. Correct. I mean, I think you could make the argument that no team will put two surefire NFL studs into the draft this year than the Northwestern Wildcats. That's yeah. honestly what I believe. I just wonder. I don't know. Like, what I don't think there's I don't think there's a lot of bust in either one of these guys. I think. Well, how big of- is Newsom? Do you know? Because he, he looks like he well, might be a little on the wiry side. Like a little bit wiry, but yeah. he's not undersized. He's okay. he's, he's not well, then. underspeeded. He, he, dude, he is ready to go. And then they also have um, uh, de- uh, defensive tackle Ernest Brown in the, around the fifth round. Defensive back J.R. Pace in the seventh round. I mean, they're probably they're almost for sure hmm. going to get three, probably four guys drafted. Now, what's crazy to me is I just listed off four players who are two players that I did not list off. Linebackers Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher. I've seen two different, three different projections. Uh Two of them did not have either one of them getting drafted. One of them had Patty Fisher going like the third to last pick. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep sounding like a broken record. If, If Patty Fisher... Or or Gallagher is not um, it never gets drafted. I want Dave Gabelman, the Giants uh, GM, to be that. I want that to be one of the first. They calls. just it's so to their be agent, like really good football players. And and the Giants have sucked at linebacker for literally twenty years. Like you're trying to like right now. You're like the over under that I would set for how many years Patty Fisher and Gallagher play in the NFL, I think I'd set it at like eight and a half or nine. I mean, it just screams that guy that doesn't have the measurables, nobody wants him, but then he just gets in the league and sticks there and never leaves. That is exactly what he's going to be. And then another thing is like, tell me how they're really any different than uh, Iowa linebacker Josie Jewell, who got drafted and is still on the I mean, right. he isn't – you're not going to game plan your offensive game plan around Josie Jewell. He's not that much of a difference right. maker. But from a defensive coordinator, he's like, okay, well, I know Josie Jewell is going to be in the right place whenever Correct. we – like, and you're trying to tell me these guys aren't – I don't know. Unless we'll just – unless just the, the, the shocking lack of athletic ability stops them from getting to the plays, but – I think it would have showed out a little bit more in their career. It's not like the, I don't know. I just blows my mind. Sure. Okay. Yep. Next team up is the Penn state Nittany lions, 38 first rounders in their history. Uh, 2000 draft, pretty good draft for them. The number one overall pick defensive tackle, Courtney Brown, mm-hmm. the number two overall pick linebacker, LeVar Arrington. Boy, he was, I think LeVar Arrington was, the scariest player I've ever watched in the Big Ten. He's definitely in the team picture for for Freak Show. Do you remember him leaping the Illinois offensive line yeah. and sacking the quarterback Absolutely. in his drop? Amazing. 
It's incredible. Poor Kirk Johnson. He's probably they probably found him in the locker room sucking his thumb in the corner after that game. Just to look up and see that coming at you. My God. Um, running back Kajana Carter, number one overall in 1995 yeah. to talk about how much the running back position has dropped sure. in the eyes of drafters. That since would never then. happen today. Um, to the bungles, poor, right? I loved watching Kajana Carter oh, run sure. in college. I, I mean, injuries definitely played into his career being shortened down. Uh, Penn state had four first rounders alone in 2003. So at the uh, Penn State um uh Penn State uh, Pro Day dudes there were dudes everywhere Pittsburgh Steeler coach Mike Tomlin called Penn State's Pro Day a freak show. Wow. I mean um so uh they're and they're getting another freak show and by the way that happens every year. It, it, but and that's know? what we talked about in the last podcast like Ohio State might have the most productive all-stars but Penn State has the most physically amazing all-stars like freak athletes it seems like every year that's how they do it man. i know and we got more linebacker michael parsons i mean he could he could theoretically return punts or kickoffs in, in the nfl do, he, he do is you know that he fast ran in the 40 it was in the four fours and so did jason away too that's unbelievable so uh linebacker michael parsons i'm sorry but I would be happy with him going to the Giants, too, <laughs> at 11. I'll stop saying that at some point. Uh, Jason Owe, Shaka Tony. Um, Jason Owe's second round. Shaka Tony, fourth or fifth. Okay, I'm going to nitpick here a little bit. They're a little bit un- unproductive. That's what I'm, I was okay. going to say. I don't think that's I don't think that the, that's saying that they're going to fall too far. I could even see them falling further. Because they just possible. didn't put a ton on film. That I, they, I didn't love them as players, is what it comes down to. They were good. I love them at times. Yeah, there I were times. I love them at yeah. times. Um, I, my guess is fit is going to be huge for both of those sure. guys. Yeah. You know, whether it's a, a 3-4 or 4-3 fit, how mm-hmm. they're used, I'm not sure if either one of them is an every down player. They could be more gadget, yeah. you know, sure. um, um, passing downs type. But I'm, I'm cheering for both of them. Don't get me wrong. I, but like you said, little, little concern on the lack of production. On the other side, I've seen tight end Pat Fryermuth get slid down quite a ways. Now he did get injured. He he did. Um, most most uh, uh, people see him drafted somewhere in the early to middle second round. I think it's about fair. I think that's right where he yeah. should go. Um, is he a blazer? No, but the dude catches He's everything. Awesome. Now that's a guy I did love watching. Absolutely, extremely productive. But that's kind of getting back to our initial conversation. It's almost like he might get hurt a little bit because some of his measurables aren't off the charts. I, I think almost any any team in the NFL could use a Pat Fryermuth on their team. Absolutely. All right, next up, just kind of interesting. Now you start flipping around for the teams that we're talking about because uh, there isn't so many first-rounders that we're going to talk about for the rest of these teams, but uh, the Wisconsin Badgers, all right? So 28 first-rounders in their history. Highest pick, 2007, Joe Thomas, okay. third overall I don't think there's any doubt he was worth the pick there. If that guy was an absolute stalwart in the NFL for years, I was gonna guess Jamar Fletcher. Did yeah. he go pretty high? No, nah, ma- he didn't go that high. I don't though. think he went that no. high. Yeah. Anyway, um, another third overall pick. They have two at third overall pick. Fullback Allen Amici. Oh yeah, one who scored one of the most important touchdowns for the Giants, or for the no for the Colts against the Giants. Against the Giants. Yeah. So that was in 1955. He's, he's, he's an Illinois guy. He's, he's from one. the Illinois Burbs, I think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, so I think you know, third uh, 28 first rounders. Wisconsin 
you know, uh, uh, players just own the second, third, and fourth round, you know, for getting drafted. Again, typically guys that are better than what they were projected to be at that level. This year, they're projected to have two guys drafted, and, and in it is very possible they'll have one. So offensive tackle Cole Van Lannen is slotted fifth or sixth. Um, defensive back Eric Burrell, sixth or seventh. It wouldn't. I'm not saying so it's going to happen. Bond not not in the draft. Not not projected. And I know Sanborn's coming back. Yep. But I thought Bond was not projected. In, interesting. So wait. So, so, but do you know for sure is he coming back to Wisconsin or is I guess he not, I'm not projected? I'm not he real had, sure. He would have to get. He I must be know. coming back next year. I don't. We should nah, probably doesn't know that. Matter. But <laughs> um, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like this is as light of a Wisconsin draft as oh yeah we I mean, have I, seen. I'm in, shocked. I mean. This is as light of a Wisconsin draft as we've seen since Barry got him going, essentially. I think so. It must be. I mean, right? th- I'm not saying it's going to happen. There is a chance, though, going into late in day three, Wisconsin Badger fans are going to be sitting there wondering if they're going to have a player drafted. It's going to be close. Now I'm starting to think they must have so many guys that are g- coming back for their super senior year. So now I'm getting a little scared. It's part of it. And just, it's a cycle thing, you know? I yeah, mean, it sure. happens to... Every developmental program with that, but that is something to keep your eye on uh, in the later uh, rounds of the draft. Next up, hey, how about Illinois fighting Illini, 20 first-rounders in their history. So that you said 21 for Northwestern? No, Northwestern had eight. Oh, eight. Yeah. Wisconsin, 28. Penn State, 38. Illinois, 20 first-rounders. That's respectable. Well, that's good. I, I, I expected there to be a good number for them. It's been a tick, though. It's, well, a little bit, yeah. Highest... Overall pick? Oh, it would have been uh, uh, Kevin Hardy, number two. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Jeff George, 1990. Jeff George, to the Colts. number one overall in the 1990 draft for you young so bucks out we've there. We've got a one, a two, and a three. How about that? Yep, but the most impressive draft, 1996, second yeah. overall pick, linebacker Kevin Hardy, third overall pick, defensive end Simeon Price. Simeon uh, Rice, for you young bucks out there, if you haven't heard of Kevin Hardy and Simeon Rice, uh, not only were they amazing in college, they were slotted in the draft in an amazing high spot, and they were amazingly productive in the NFL. Yeah, Those guys were absolutely Hardy studs. did not have a very long career. He that surprised me. I don't. I'm not even sure what happened there if he if it was more injuries, but like he was playing great his first few years, and then he just kind of went yeah. away. Um, but Simeon's like borderline Hall of Famer. I you can make I a think, case for him. I think you can make a case yeah. for him being a Hall of Famer. Go look over the um, um, draft history of the Illinois Fighting Liner. There are a lot of names that you would recognize for having stellar NFL careers in there. I think sometimes people, you know, it's been lean around Illinois for the past several years, but their last draft was uh, 2016 was their last player drafted drafted. Okay. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to take care of that this year. Now we don't, we don't have guys getting picked extremely high off the board, but this, I believe these next two teams are my most value players of, of or teams with the most uh, uh, players with the most value to offer. So we're obviously going to start with our guy, Josh or Matrebebe going as, as late as the seventh round, possibly being even a free agent, high character. I mean, he can jump out of the, the stadium, a little wooden. He's as a little receiver. stiff, but I'm going to, I just have to point out one thing. His 46.5 inch vertical if there was a combine this year, would have set the combine record. That's something. Along with the character, along with... Well, he's the, everybody's favorite Illini. He's everybody's favorite Illini. Um, he's my favorite Illini. When given the chance 
to to go up and catch balls. He he typically caught them. And he he the other thing I like to point out, he made big catches. Michigan State, Absolutely. you know, like Nebraska. I mean, there's I a mean, lot of catches. They the defense literally knew they were throwing. To That's him, my point. And they still couldn't defend it. And he still got it. He, I Probably mean, because he, of he's got a place for, in the NFL. I think he does too. Yeah. Like maybe it's a little bit more of a red zone, you know, type yeah. of thing. But to me, he's like like Alan Lazard, except I think he's be- I think he's better. And I think he ran- he- I thought I expected him to. I was like ho- like kind of scared. I hope he doesn't do like a four six. He ran a four four eight. That's insane. That's a good forty. Yes. So, anyways, I I don't know. Like maybe some team is secretly in love with that guy, and he goes as high as fourth or fifth. I I don't know, but I he's. He stinks like one of those teams to me where like every team, like like 22 teams are like, we really like this guy. Yeah. We think he can go in the sixth or seventh and then they so freak out and take him in the fifth because they're sure. afraid somebody's going to take him in the sixth or seventh. Yeah. So I don't, I am going to be very interested to see where our guy, Joshua Matterbaby goes center slash guard, uh, Kendrick Green. I mean, a lot of people have him going off the board in the fourth round. He's a little squatty. Six one. Yeah, he's pretty short. I mean, his, 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 he tested out great because he's short. I feel like he's probably center, but at the same time, I was talking to our, our friend who loves the draft and seemed to know more about Kendrick Green than I did. He is so quick that it'd be a shame to waste that you know that quickness from the guard position on a center where you don't you're not pulling as much. Yeah, because when he pulls, oh my goodness. I mean, I know it's a little undersized, but again, put on the tape. Oh he's, man, he's, he's a just, mauler. He's a mauler, and the dude has such a mean streak. Like he he doesn't just want to beat you; he wants to beat you into the ground. I am willing to bet if you if you ask Kirk Ferentz what he feels about Kendrick Green, I bet you he loves him some Kendrick Green. Well, he you know Kendrick was interviewed at some point in his Illinois career, and they they said, well, why did you choose? Illinois, and he was Lovey's first recruiting class, and he said, well, I just kind of assumed I was just going to go to Iowa, but then <laughs> Illinois came along and started talking to me, and I just decided I wanted to rep my, my home school, but he, just, he was going to go to Iowa. Hmm. Okay, wish we could have had him. And by the way, speaking of, you know, it, as rocky as the Lovey-Smith era was, I mentioned they didn't have a draft since 2016, this is Lovey's first recruiting class. Interesting. Yeah. He's going to have probably three people, and definitely two, well... Definitely one, probably two, possibly a third in linebacker Nate Hobbs. I also think he is good value in the seventh round yeah, or a free agent. Where but he's, he's a guy that just doesn't have the tape. I I agree with that. Yeah, like he's a little flashy. I don't know. It. I mean, he's a guy. A little. He's got a little feast or famine to me. He, I believe. Yeah, he's the one that like I was always salivating because you look at him. He looks like a cornerback. He's got the ability. He's he's quick. He's he's fast. He can he can jump. But it just never really. You were waiting for it to show up on the field and never quite did. Not consistently enough. No. Next up is the Iowa Hawkeyes with 23 first-round picks, 10 of them coming under Coach Ferentz. So that's kind of crazy. There was 13 uh, NFL draft picks in the the whole history of Iowa football, and then uh, Kirk Ferentz has almost equaled that in his time there. Well, I'm guessing of those those 13, most of those are probably under Fry, don't Uh, you think? Big try. I mean, well – there was a little bit more Iowa football success in the fifties than people no, I know. They, remember. They so they, they had some they had some draft picks. They, but you're you're dead on that it was it, it was spotty in yeah. the sixties and seventies. And what we mean by that is nobody was getting drafted from the Iowa Hawkeyes no. in the sixties and seventies. I'll, I'll be amazed if you get this. Iowa has had a number one overall pick, and it's a quarterback who was Oh it? really? Yeah. Oh boy. 
No, I don't Iowa think... fans know him. Quarterback Randy Duncan in 1959. No, would not have gotten that one. Yep. So was um, he on that 57 national championship team, Yes, Frank? I think okay. he would have been. Nice. Yeah. So, um, so something that's interesting about uh, Iowa's uh, recruiting or uh, draft history, if you look through it, every three to five years, I'm not. It's not like clockwork, but there's a lull in the amount of draft players that were drafted. Then it spikes up high okay. and then down. It's almost like it's a it's a developmental program that that cycles up, cycles down, and cycles up, which is kind of something we've seen for the past oh I don't know forty years or so. Um, uh, so this year, kind of a cycle down, which brings us to probably the first Iowa player taken off the board, which is defensive tackle Davian Nixon. I mean, a lot of projections have him in the third round. And this was somebody that right at one point in like a November, December, the first initial draft, you know, things that you saw, some people had him in the first round. Um, I get that there's a lack of tape with him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I don't know. He put together a good year last year. Like he was hands down. He, he the was, best, the the best D lineman in the Big Ten last year. I think so. Year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. A- against a league that takes their offensive line play pretty seriously, yeah. am I being a homer to say that this is a little crazy? How is low it, this guy's getting could projected? It, and, and stick with me here. Could it be that there's a little bit of Iowa defensive line fatigue? It's like not mm. not like their boss, but it's just like, oh yeah, another Iowa guy. Okay, could be. I, I don't guess. Know. I don't. Um, know. I don't know. I, the other side of it too is typically with that, if there is Iowa defensive line fatigue, it's from a lack of explosiveness or athletic ability. Did Davion Nixon look like he lacked no, athletic not, ability no, when not he not at stepped over the Penn State player and ran a sixty-yard touchdown? Nope, nope. Like I just maybe there's a little boomer bust here. Okay, with him, I don't know, and maybe there's. To me, I, I think his best fit is a 3-4 defensive end. I think That's he can play that ask, position which, for 10 years. Yeah. And maybe maybe teams are a little bit worried because he's a little I mean, bit that, undersized for a 4-3 defensive tackle. And it does make sense because he can rush the quarterback, Correct. too. So. I don't know. I It would be interesting to see where he'd go. I think a lot of teams that would get him late in the second round into the mid-third round as yeah, potential, a steal. I think they'd be pretty happy with him. Another guy that I think will wind up being a steal, not an all-pro ever, but is defensive end edge Chauncey Golston. He shined out at the uh, Reese's uh, Senior Bowl. It'll be He's anywhere around third to fifth round where he could go. I think he is going to be a strong defender for some team again for like he'll get a second contract with some team. I can almost guarantee you that. Yeah. And you know, just another year where where there's going to be at least one Iowa defensive lineman drafted or lineman in general. Yeah. Um and then wide receiver more returner Amir Smith-Marset as high as the 4th round. I've I've seen Ooh. um 5th round seems a now, little high. I agree. He is I do not know what to expect from him. I, I hope well, he's he takes a knucklehead. His, we know that. I hope he takes his profession <laughs> seriously. Uh, his return ability is is definitely sure, going to help absolutely. him make a roster. There is absolutely. I don't think there's any. No, he will make that. a roster, but sure. you don't stay on NFL rosters by return ability alone, unless yeah. you're like Devin Hester and that shit. You right. know, so like I'm going to be very interested to see how his wide receiver career really kind of turns out. Yeah. And, and Iowa has not had 
a ton of wide receivers yeah. drafted in the last several years. So definitely an interesting one to keep your eye on. All right, moving on. Hmm. What is the team that we have not talked about yet? The Michigan Wolverines, 48 first round draft picks in their history. That's number two in the That's big set. Pretty good. As you would expect. Yep. Uh, offensive tackle Jake Long being their only number one overall pick. No kidding. In 2008, unless I, again, missed it on the uh, scrolling okay. of the Wikipedia page. Also, I think worth a number one pick. Jake Long had a stellar NFL career. Yeah. Maybe not always the healthiest, but definitely worth the pick. Okay. Now we get into this year's draft. Um, so defensive end Quiddy Pay, almost for sure, going in the first round. I'll stop right there. What do you think? I don't like it. I don't either. No, I mean this is this is what we're talking about. He's got the measurables. I get it. He's a freak athlete, but he just didn't really no produce. I, I could be wrong, but I would want no part no. of my team taking him. Me either. Maybe once we get late in the first round, like if he really fits a need. But I, I'm I'm thinking more second round for that guy. I mean, I'm maybe even I, that might be too generous. Yeah. Okay. A couple more here. Uh, Defensive back Ambry Thomas and linebacker Cameron McGrone in the third. Defensive uh, line Carlo Kemp in the sixth. How do you feel about any of these guys? I mean, I I could see Kemp in the sixth. Of the, of those three, okay. that one makes the most sense. I could see all of those guys being in the sixth. I know. I don't like any. How much production did we get out of nothing? any of those guys? Very little. They, they I mean, first of all, it's incredible that any of these guys in a Don Brown, Don Brown defense have gotten drafted or that they, that they will get drafted at all that those guys going to play in that defense for the last three, four years, whatever it was for them was a disservice for their career. It would be very interesting to see how those careers would have progressed. Insert better defensive. Well, program yeah, maybe, in the Big 10. maybe they just weren't coached that well. That could be it. So then that makes me wonder you get them in the NFL. They have the athletic ability yeah. that was there. You know, the measurables when they were in high school. All those guys are interesting, but I don't know if they exactly move the needle either. No. I, and and this is a conversation on the state of the Michigan football program. I mean, I really, as a Packer fan, I just think I'd just want to stay away from all four of those guys. Until it gets I mean, yeah, fifth, sixth, seventh round. At some round, point, it's going to yeah, it's gonna become, there's going to be a value in there somewhere, right? Yeah. But, but man, Quiddy Pay has just stuck in. I mean, we're talking... He's typically off the board before 20. That is for most of that these. seems crazy to me. I, it does for me too, but all right. Next up, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, 34 first round draft picks in their illustrious career. 1984 draft. How about this for Mike Rozier? Uh Irving Fryer. Oh, Irving. wide receiver. Was he number one overall? Number one overall. Okay. Offensive tackle Dean Steincooler, number two wow. overall. They Whoa. had the one and two overall picks. Well, wasn't Rogier that year? Or maybe, no, to, he was the. No, it would have been eighty four. I would have to look that up. Sorry, I just kind of stuck towards the first round. I had, I couldn't do deep dives. Yeah, I would have uh, guessed he was first round. I bet we'll hear from Nebraska fans. To I bet that, we to will straighten that out. So, where, shout. What about Jerry Tagey? Where was he drafted? <laughs> You just made that up. No, no he's a quarterback. Okay. Really? Okay. He was in that. He was the quarterback for the quote unquote game of the century in 1971 okay. when right. Jenny Rogers took the punt back. You know, famous game. Anyway, he played for the Packers. I think he was drafted oh, okay. by the Packers. Okay. So that's where he okay. never made it as a pro. But okay. Jerry Tagey. Jerry Tagey. Okay. So shout out to linebacker Levante David being the steal of the 2012 draft at 58th overall. 
maybe the best 58th overall pick yeah. in the history of the NFL. How about it? I mean, and to be honest, with you, I to a certain degree, I thought he was drafted even later than that. I was thinking he was more like third or fourth, sure, yeah. but um, definitely worth the pick at 58th overall. So obviously Nebraska's history has, I mean, we're at 34. So they are, I believe, uh, was that fourth in the, in the big 10, uh, second or third or fourth. So obviously there's a reason because, uh, because of that, because Nebraska has had amazing football, uh, program or pro- football teams over the years, which has produced the talent, but she's been down lately. They have only had four draft picks the past Four years. Hmm. Nobody was picked in 2019, which uh, stopped a streak of a player getting drafted every single year from 1960 through 2018. Hmm. The highest pick they've had in the past four years was a fifth rounder. Okay. Do we know when their last first round was? I'd have to look that up. Just curious. Yeah. Um, Offensive tackle, Brendan James, projected to be like kind of fourth or fifth rounder. Okay. Yeah. But, I don't know. Yeah. That, I, 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 that's fine. I, I'm not saying he's not going to be. I think there's a chance. But I, they, just, I don't know. But when I think of their offensive line, you know. Brendan James was, when their offensive line was not so good, Brendan James was definitely the bright spot. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I could see him getting pushed back into the fifth or sixth or even seventh round. We'll sure. See. But I do think he'll get drafted and he'll deserve to be. But obviously only having one player drafted uh, and that one player getting drafted late again, kind of like with Michigan. That's why I put these two teams together. It's a sign of the times, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Fair to fair to say. Yeah. Okay. Next up the Minnesota golden Gophers. Hey, take it a shot. How many first rounders think they had? Well, okay. They, I mean, there was, right. there was a time, so mm-hmm. it's not there was low. A time. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with like 28. Ooh. 17 first rounders. Oh, really? I thought it would be higher too. Yeah. I, I, they had a ton of dudes drafted back in the heyday. Yeah. Uh, but the draft just wasn't as, it wasn't all as compass, all encompassing back in the thirties and forties when they were just destroying people. So I think that has something to do with it, but 17 first round, uh, draft picks in their history. Um, offensive tackle, uh, uh, Ed Witseth. In 1937 to the Giants. Don't remember him. And they, so these are both one overall. And center Clayton Toniker in 1952, the Green Bay Packers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the uh, last gopher to go in the first round was in the last, uh, since 2002. Sorry, let me reword that. Since 2002, there has been one first round draft pick for the gopher. Can you name it? Uh, it wasn't that Max Williams, was it? No, he was close, end. though. He was close. He was. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's got to be one of those running backs, yes. right? Either Maroney or got Barber. Got yep. okay. Running back Lawrence Maroney. Good job, but, man. And, You're doing good. And by the way, Maroney was a heavy Illinois lean until his visit. Okay. And, I remember that. Yeah. And that they, the, the Jay Lehman, in fact, told yep. the story. And it's like, went to Ron Turney. He's like, uh, I don't think we want this guy. And yep. then he went to Minnesota and crushed Illinois every time he played. I just want to say, there has never been a gopher that scared me more in the past 30 years of my memory yeah. than, than Lawrence Maroney. He definitely, to in my mind, was worth that 21st pick to the Patriots in 2006. Didn't exactly didn't exactly pan out as well as you would hope a first round. No, probably back. not as well. But he had a solid pretty career. decent career. And then shout out to uh, defensive back Anton Winfield Jr., who was definitely worth his forty fifth pick. Oh boy. overall, what a that was almost year. a steal. I would say it's officially a steal. So fifteen years since a first rounder. 
are we going to get one this year with wide receiver Rashad Bateman? Yeah, I don't see him projected super high, though. I don't get it. Because <laughs> especially after he ran his 40, I'm like, oh, well, then there you go. He's a first rounder. So I had this uh, conversation offline uh, with one of the podcast listeners, and it wasn't a gopher uh, listener. It was a, it was a listener of a different big 10 fan base. Okay. And his point that he was trying to make is that if Rashad Bateman played at Texas A&M or LSU, he would be a surefire first rounder. And I really don't think I have an argument against that. No. And you know, especially because he's from Georgia. Mm-hmm. So you'd think they would take that into account. Well, you know, he's basically an sec guy, dude. He just got a, they, someone grabbed him out of sec territory. You are literally, you're saying exactly what we said in our DMs about that. Um, then the question, for whatever reason, was his quote-unquote lack of speed. Then he busted off a 4-3 whatever in his pro day, and he seemed to run it twice. Um, what exactly are we picking up? He was productive. I mean, excellent I don't remember runner, him ever being a like. I great think he was attitude. a good teammate. Yeah, Abs- sound, absolutely. No I, doubt. I, I mean, I'm not saying top. Okay, first of all, I'm not saying top 10. I'm not saying he couldn't be. I yeah I, I I mean there there may be a team that falls in love with him and says we got it we got to we can't wait till the second round. Like what I would think it would be is some team sits there and says we have got I'm kind of making this number up but I think I'm pretty close. We've got six wide receivers with a first round draft grade. Yeah, meaning these are the top six guys and then there's a drop off. In my mind, there's no question Rashad Bateman is in that group. So that's what it would be. A team late in the first round that knows they need a receiver. There's no way in hell he's going to be around, you know, in the second round when they come up unless they trade up. I don't know. I feel pretty good about Richad Bateman's NFL career. Here, here's <laughs> the, here's the good news, though. If he does get drafted in the second round, there's kind of that thing where first round wide receivers don't work out as well that's as true. many positions. It seems to be that second and that's third round very seems good to be point. the meat of, of if you go back through old drafts. So maybe he's the guy that gets picked in the second round. That's a really good point. He's just a stud from day one. And I'm not saying he's not going to go in the first round. He definitely could, but I I mean, if I had to bet one way or the other, I think he'll go early in the second round. Yeah, I think that seems to be the consensus anyway. And then quarterback Benjamin St. Juiced is is projected to get drafted fourth or fifth round. He's a big dude. I mean, he's he's big. He's pretty fast. The, the measurables are great. I, I don't know that the career, career necessarily was great, but it was solid. Yep. So we'll see. I could see him getting drafted. Yes, I think he'll get drafted. It'd be late, though. I think it would be a little bit later than maybe that's projected. Okay, next up is the Indiana Hoosiers. 12 first-round draft picks in their history. And and on the website, it just says back. I don't know exactly what his position was, but back. Corbett Davis. Love that name. Corbett Davis. Yeah, Corbett. That's good. Corbett Davis, number one overall in 1938. No kidding. Yeah. Last first rounder. It's been a spell. Okay. If 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 you get this, I'll I'll freaking I'll buy you a steak dinner. Uh, uh it's, it's you're not gonna get no. it. No. Okay. Nineteen ninety four. Okay. Their last first round draft. Pick. Oh wait, uh, the receiver. Yes, Th- Thomas. Oh my God, Thomas Lewis. To the, Thomas Giants. Lewis to the Giants. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember him. He was a. You get half a steak dinner for that. That's insane. <laughs> How the hell did I'm a Giants um, fan? I didn't even know that. Well, he he Penn State fans would remember him. Okay. Because he was a Penn State killer. Okay. He he had some amazing catches against Penn. I, there was one game he just went off against Penn State. Well, and that was so ninety. 
four draft, you said. So yes. that would have been the 93 season. That was, that was a pretty spicy Penn State team. Okay. Um, well, he must not have had too much spice that happened at the Giants because I have memory of Giants teams. No, he didn't pan out, right? Because <laughs> I, I didn't know who he no. was. So shout out to my guy, running back Vaughn Dunbar, oh, yeah. who I loved. He went 21st overall in 1992. Oh, did, he was a first rounder. He huh? was a first rounder. You don't by chance have. He was uh, that good. I mean, he was uh, Anthony amazing. Thompson. No, he was high. Um, I think Do you remember he, if he was first, though? I, I, I'm pretty sure he was first round. I would yeah. think so. I, he wasn't high enough to jump off the page sure, to bring okay. up as a... Um, so, obviously, there's been an uptick in Hoosier football. We are not yet seeing the fruits of the labor, you know, go into the NFL draft. Right now, defensive back, who I would... I love. Defensive back, Jamar Johnson, third or fourth round. Playmaker. I I would like him on my team sure. if I was an NFL fan. Absolutely, like I mean, he, he's like he's like uh, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, he's like a mini so. Antoine Winfield Jr. Like a, I think a poor man. That's a really good. Yeah. I mean, third or especially into the fourth round with him. Oh gosh, that'd be. Strange. I think he would be worth it. And then defensive tackle Jerome Johnson, offensive tackle Harry Kreider in the sixth or seventh. So we're probably yeah. only going to have two, maybe three Hoosiers drafted. I, I, but... I could see Johnson, the defensive tackle, getting drafted. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I so, think him and him and the the safety Jamar Johnson. So the Hoosiers starting to get on the board here for the NFL draft with their uptick, but we're still away. By away. the way, some exciting IU recruiting news today. Okay. There, there's uh, some ripples in the recruiting atmosphere. Uh, it's it's sounding like they're flipping an Ohio State guy, a high four star athlete. That's um, com- wait no, he's not committed anywhere yet, but he, he was. It was, a lean towards. It Ohio seemed State. like an Ohio State lean. It seems like it's an IU lean. Wow! Whoa. Watch All out right. if the Hoosiers start recruiting like that. Mercy. Sticking in the state, the Purdue Boilermakers, twenty first round draft picks in their history. Some okay. people might be uh, surprised to hear that. I was not. I mean, Purdue has had a pretty especially darn good football at, history. Quarterback position. Uh, they've had three picks at number three overall, but have never had a number one. Or number two? Can you give okay. me the last number third pick? Was it? It wasn't Woodson, was it? Rod Woodson? No, he was not. Okay, it was right. That was right before. I mean, it wasn't Drew Brees. He wasn't. Nope, he wasn't that high no, at all. He, uh, you're uh, on the right. You're on the right position. Mike Phipps, quarterback Jim Everett. Ah, damn it! I would have gotten there eventually. Quarterback Jim Everett in 1986, uh, known for his strong arm in both throwing the football and Jim Rome across. <laughs> <laughs> both about the same size, by the way. <laughs> Oh, I got it. Every time I see that club come on Twitter, I watch it again. So, uh, I, I almost said Chris. I can't believe I just said I almost said Chris. Chris oh, God. Didn't mean watch that. It. I don't, hey, Jim. Jim Everett hears this. On, like, I, he's okay. a big dude. But anyway, yeah. Jim Everett, he's great on Twitter. If you don't follow he him is, on Twitter, he he's I excellent. I do follow him on Twitter. And I asked him one time because he, lo- he loves posting that. Or yeah. People will tweet it at him. Yeah. And so he likes interacting. I, I, I said one time, I'm like, Tell me, Jim, did that really was that real? Because I always wonder if right. it was staged. staged. I mean, it looks real. It does, but I just wonder. He never answered back. No, he never answered. Um, what I always think about with that scene, I'm assuming a high percentage of our people know Jim Rome has been a. I mean, he he was the kind of original shock jock sports. He version. was, and I used to listen to Rome but, all the time. Yeah, I liked Romy. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't it, know if like is the word, but I I didn't to have it. any other better options for sports at the time. And that's and kudos to him because he was the first one in. Yes. Um, uh, rock him. Um, but anyways, my, what I always think of is like you think or when I say you, I don't mean you or the general consensus is, well, he's a quarterback. He's kind of a wuss. Like there's a sure. Okay. 
Let me tell you something. If you play quarterback through Division One football in the NFL, number one, you're pretty tough. Yeah. Number two, you think because they're quarterback, they're some sort of slight guys. Jim Everett is a massive He's man. He's like 6'5", isn't he? He's huge. <laughs> it's strong. Yeah. And Jim Rome's a, a wheedle man. Yeah. And the fact that he talked shit like that. I mean, See, but when again, Rome I picked wonder... him up and threw him, it was like me throwing my five-year-old under the, under the couch to mess around with him. But again, oh, I wonder if they didn't. I mean, knowing Jim Rome and how much he loved attention, what... I just wonder if they didn't it's, plan that ahead of time. It's definitely possible. Yeah. And, and, if, and if so... Kudos to Jim Rome again because he knew that would make waves and it probably helped his career. Absolutely. It you helped know, his he career. He didn't care if he got tossed like I mean, a rag doll. You ask anyone on the street, first thing you can name about Jim Rome or, or uh, Rome, he got yep. thrown by Jim Everett. That's the first thing everyone's going to say. Okay. Anyways, uh, again, if you want to educate yourself, there are a ton of, of draft picks in Purdue's history. You already mentioned Rod Woodson. They have the penchant of when they had a high draft pick, those dudes were good. <laughs> like they had some good football players. This year, Rondell Moore, wide receiver, yeah. projected to go probably second round, but it's possible he could fall into the third. Just give me your thoughts. I'm curious. I mean, that's like I saw that he was projected by Shooty to the Packers, and I started salivating. You, you, you have. Yeah, just thinking of him in the slot. I just think of him okay. as like an Edelman. Or like a Wes Welker type, but with much more ability. I think so. I mean, if you use that guy right, oh okay. man. So that's obviously not where I thought. And you returner were gonna... too. Yep. Now, don't get me wrong. I I I don't want this to come sound like I'm besmirching the man. When when he was healthy, he was incredible. Well, that but would that concern is... me. That like that injury concerns me. So if you are a Purdue fan that thinks it's ridiculous that Rondell Moore isn't going into the first round, you have to bring that injury part into it. I mean, it, it must have been a gruesome injury. You know, we never really heard much about For it. For how bad he pulled his hamstring, you mean? Yeah, that ham- that knocked him out. I mean, essentially a full calendar year, and he was not exactly the same when he came back. Either. Yeah. So he was clearly still recovering from that. Now, I'm going to really cherry pick here, but if he has his explosiveness back, and if he stays healthy, he would be an absolute steal in the late second round. It's just that we don't know those, right. so so that's another one. I can't wait to see where he goes, and but the I can't Packers, wait to see how he does once he gets in the league. The Packers have something against drafting wide receivers, so I don't see it happening. They do. <laughs> it's, it's it's so it's weird. like it's so strange. It's like they dislike Aaron Rodgers' I know. personality so much that, that they just want him to leave, and they're trying <laughs> to get him to leave. It's the only thing I've ever been able to figure. out. But then out. he comes and has the, probably his best statistical year as a, as a pro, and they're like, "Well, damn it." We can't force him out now. That's insane. He did pretty well on, on Jeopardy from the clips I saw, too. I only saw a couple, but yeah. he, he seemed to be adequate anyway. All right. Three teams left. Next up, the Michigan State Spartans. An illustrious drafting sure. career. 34 first-round draft picks in their history. That's tied with Nebraska. I wonder how many people wow. would be, how many people would be surprised about that. That surprises hey, me a little bit. You want to hear you want to hear a pretty cool, a pretty good draft year? 1968 draft. You ready for oh, this? Sure. Number one overall defensive tackle. Yeah, the, the um, not high tower. Bubba uh, Smith. T- Bubba Smith. I, I keep. I always want to say too tall Jones. But yep. Bubba Smith. Yeah. So number one overall defensive tackle Bubba Smith. High tower is from high the uh, police academy, academy movies. Sure. He was fantastic. In oh, he's awesome. By the way, second overall running back Clint Jones. Okay. Fifth overall wow. linebacker George Webster. 
eighth overall wide receiver Gene Washington. They had four guys in the top eight. Wow. They had half the top eight in 1958. And so I don't recognize those other two, but Gene Washington had a good career too. Dude, you could make an argument that out of all the Big Ten that's teams, unbelievable. that's absolutely insane. I mean, absolutely it, that's got to be, I don't think probably anybody else has ever done four out of the top eight. I didn't see one. I mean, Ohio State got darn close no, I mean, a couple times. Anybody, period. I, I, it's, it, if somebody wants to look that up, that's worth looking up. That's incredible. They literally had half of the first eight picks. Unreal. <laughs> and by the way, those were some really good Michigan State teams in the 60s. Correct. Um, so then on top of that, we, again, we can't list them all here. We're already like an hour and 20 minutes into this thing, but like, Look up Michigan State's drafting ability or, or, or players that have been drafted. They've had dudes at wide receiver. Yeah. They've had top 10 or top 10 dudes at O-line. Defensive D-line. line. Yes. Defensive, defensive backs. backs. Tons of defensive Linebackers. Backs. Yeah. Freaking across the board when they have. Not a good. You can't think of any real good quarterbacks. I mean, Kirk Cousins, solid, but. Through their history, I, there's not one that really sticks out that I can think of. I mean, that's picking nits, but yeah. other than that, I mean, you could, I mean, obviously you would pick Ohio State, but if you were to make an NFL team just drafting off of, of players from one team, Michigan State would be in play, man. Yeah, you yeah, you could have a pretty solid program there. <sighs> but kind of sign of the times, I could have put them with Nebraska and Michigan Right now, defensive back Shakur Brown, who I like. It's another Big Ten defensive back. Sure. That I just it his time at Michigan State did not time out very well for him. He's picked yeah. in the fourth or fifth round. I think a lot of NFL teams would be happy to get him. Well, he seems like your traditional Michigan State defensive back. He just wasn't playing on one of those traditional Michigan State teams. And, and with other defensive backs around him. Right. I mean, it seems like that in that mold. Correct. But what? shout out to uh, shout out to Shakur Brown for staying at Michigan State. You know, not transferring away and sure. doing that. Hopefully, he gets rewarded uh, with Fallon in a good uh, team. Next up, second to last, the Maryland Terrapins, a extremely respectable 17 first round okay. picks in their history. 1975 defensive tackle Randy Rand. White, oh, sure. second yeah. overall to the Cowboys. Okay, a fantastic career. Absolutely, he Absolutely. was a, he was a total. Game wrecker, absolutely. I remember watching that that guy as a kid. I mean, he stuck out. It's hard for you know someone interior defensive lineman to stick out like he did. He did. Yeah. He was awesome. And um, I hated the Cowboys, and I still thought he was awesome. He was amazing. A um, little bit before my time, but I just knew him just from the teams or whatever. Uh, and then you kind of look at Maryland's drafting history, pulling out of that de- uh, that the uh, hotbed the, recruiting yep. area. The BM Sean Merriman. Merriman, amazing oh, sure, yeah. talent. Um, I forget oh, about I just him. T- uh, tight end, absolutely, absolutely uh, stud. Oh, you're t- um, uh, Davis. Uh, yes, Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis. Davis. Oh, boy, yeah, that was close. That was some. That was some. We we stopped the podcast cold there, but you pulled it out. Yes, uh, and then another yeah, I, one. I thought. I guess I forgot that he went to Maryland. Yeah, so they've had his brother went to Illinois. Correct. So they've had they have had some talent. I thought it was interesting. Boomer Esiason was mid second round. No kidding. For, okay. I thought for sure he would have been I would a first. Have, absolutely. I would thought have for sure first. he would have been a first rounder. And then another shout out to a amazingly drafted late wide receiver Stefan Diggs was in the fifth round. What? Fifth. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's insane. That's one of the biggest fifth round steals ever. Wow. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that was an early, he was a five star receiver for sure high school. just didn't wasn't as productive as what you thought but, wow yeah that's I mean, crazy 
no players look projecting to get drafted out of Maryland. You know, it's, it's crazy that he was so good in high school, and then he was he was he was good in at Maryland, but he wasn't awesome. I and then I, he was awesome in the pros. Like the, I have no way of proving this, but when he got drafted, I'm like I remember saying that was a steal. Hmm. Um, another steal that I could have done way back for the Iowa Hawkeyes is uh, tight end George Kittle. When he got drafted in the fifth round, sure. I was like. That's insane. What did you think about when Dallas Clark got drafted in the second round? Was, was I don't know. Was round. it second round? Yeah, I mean that's. About... But did did you expect like did you think he should have gone second round? Or yeah. Did you think that was too? When I okay. saw he went to to go play with Peyton Manning, I'm like, oh my god, okay. his career is going to okay. take off. Last in, unfortunately, also least the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Want to take a guess how many first rounders in their history? Eleven. Three. Woof. It was less than I thought. Yikes. Um, and they were all bunched up together. 2009 was Kenny Britt, yeah, 30th. Sure. And then the next year, 2010, Devin McCourty, okay. 27th. Offensive tackle, Anthony Davis, 11th. That's their highest first-round pick. Now, the the bright spot here is those were all Greg Schiano guys. So, you know. So they did not have a first-rounder until 2009. That's quite the thing. Wow. Now, I'm going off the Wikipedia page again, you know, but the lean years of Rutgers football have also played out for lean years of players getting drafted. That that surprises me a little bit. Yeah. And there wasn't, you know, Ray Rice was in there, good career, you yeah. know, like running backs again. Like there was, there's other, there's other good players that you can pick through the, the draft board and kind of pull out, but Mark Bavaro yeah. didn't get drafted first round, not first round, not tight end. I mean, tight ends never went first just, round there, but yeah. I'm just pulling out. Old so there, there's good players in there, but there's just not a plethora of first, second or even third rounders. It's, it's, it's kind of lean. Yeah. And I don't see him getting one drafted this year, but uh, there are a couple that, that could potentially get drafted safety. Brendan white, of course he was the Ohio state transfer, had a great sophomore season was the Rose bowl MVP. And then kind of had a, not so good junior year transfer. He's from Jersey. Uh, he was a four-star kid out of high school. A lot of people think he might've been out of position at Ohio state a little bit. He played more of a true safety when he was at Rutgers. Uh, didn't test out great though. A four, six, six in the 40, 34 and a half vert bench, 19 broad jump, only nine foot four. So I, that's probably an undrafted free agent, I think, but had a great season last year. Yeah. And the other one is defensive tackle, Michael Dwumfor, who originally, Committed he to, definitely he definitely he showed out at times. Yeah, I could not find his how he tested out though. Yeah, I could not hard. find it's, any it's numbers find for him. Days, now he started at Michigan. He was only a mid three star guy. He was not a high recruit and kind of a late bloomer in college. I thought he had a fantastic year last year. So yep. that's one guy that you could just say, well, on film, look at him. We got to take a chance on this guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Bright, uh, brighter times ahead, Rutgers fans. You're going to have more guys getting drafted hey, they, here starting they, in next year or two. They just got to commit from a four-star quarterback. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, hey, Big Ten, watch out for those guys. They are not going to be a pushover anymore. Nope. Yep. There it is, man. Those are all teams. I, I, unless I'm like, unless I forgot somebody, which would be horrible. But I think I got, I think I got everybody there. Sounded like everyone. I, I think it was. If not too damn bad, because <laughs> this thing's already long. Yeah. Hour and a half. Yep. It's a beefy um, one. Hey, man. How do you think that went? That's that was good. fun. That it was, wasn't so bad. Couple I mean, it's tidbits. fun talking about football. It is fun talking I about wish, football. I wanted a little more quick quizzes, though. Those were the most fun. I cannot believe how I, – I, I expect – see, I feel bad because if I do quick quiz you and you're way off, then I feel like I embarrass you on the pod. But oh, when I quick right. quiz you and you nail it, dude, you look like a freaking superstar. It's insane. It was a good feeling. It was, <laughs> and I tell you what, I, I love the NFL draft. I absolutely love it. It's it's amazing because you know I'm I don't consider myself an NFL guy. Like you know, of course mm -hmm. I like the Packers, but I would 
I would never watch a game unless the Packers were playing, really. Right. I mean, playoffs. That right. Playoffs is different. But regular season, no interest. But the NFL draft, I mean, it's the highlight of the NFL season. For I me. really think it is. I and, love it. And I know I've uh, proved my dorkiness by talking about how much I love playing the Madden game. Mostly it's just to sim through the season as quick as I can. Cause, sure. Dude, you, you you build up for the draft. Oh, God. And you draft. That's the That's the most fun thing. About it is Anton- you take it, you take it like, okay, I think I'm going to trade up to the ninth spot to get this defensive yeah. end that I really want. Yeah. But you don't know, you don't know if he's going to like, they, he might, they might project him 14th okay. in the thing. And then there's times where the quarter, the computer sure. will jump up and take him seventh. And you're like, I'm stuck. I don't want to pick ninth now. And well, I so say you realize how hard it is to be a GM. Dude, I'm I'm I mean, I know it's a joke. I mean, it's it's a freaking freaking video game, but like there is no doubt in my mind that some of these GMs freak out and they're like, I, yeah. I think I need to take this guy now because they're nervous. Right. And people got made fun of Gettleman when they when they took Danny Dimes. But there, I heard a different guy on a different podcast say when Gettleman said that there was n- numerous teams that were that had um, uh, Danny Dimes as a first round uh, graded quarterback and they were going to take him mid to late and they the Giants wouldn't have gotten back up to pick him until like seven or eight picks into the the draft that that year. If you want your quarterback and you think he's that good, you, you got to go get him. Yeah, and I don't know that anybody panics more than the Bears when it comes to that. Oh, boy. they're ba- And I tell you what, <laughs> you know, speaking of, I mean, uh, for uh, where Shooty has got uh, Rashad Bateman going. Okay. Is to the Bears. Oh, gosh, I don't want that because I want to see him have a good career. <laughs> and as Gopher fans that are very typically uh, uh, Vikings fans, to see Bateman go to well, honestly, either the Packers or the Vi- or Packers or the Bears, but for him to go to the Bears, which is a division rival, and to probably watch his NFL career fall into shambles because he won't have a quarterback throw to him, ooh, that'd be a double negative. I guess the only good news is I could see the Bears drafting a quarterback, but they'll screw it up. <laughs> of course they will. You know, it's just what they do. Dude, they're so bad. Oh, awful. Like, I can't believe how bad they've been. Um, like, one of my best friends already is a big Bears fan. And just like, what do you think of the draft this year? And he's like, oh, I don't know. They know. They're going to screw it yeah. up like they normally do. Bears fans know it. Like, last year, they took a tight end, I think. It was like in the second round. And they had like seven tight ends on the oh, roster. Yes, the that's right. Something like that. It was like, that makes no sense. I it's mean, almost, it, I mean... The equivalent for the Packers is not taking a wide receiver. Yeah, I don't. I still don't. It still baffles me why they didn't do that. But whatever. And then just how? I mean, they've still had successful runs here and there. But the with how they've been able to do even do that with the quarterbacks they it's have amazing. Missed. I mean, when, honestly, when you look at Lovey Smith, he made the Super Bowl with Rex, Rex Gross with Sexy Rexy. I mean, that's incredible. That's impressive. <laughs> it is impressive. But I tell you what, I mean, the Colts were definitely the better team in that Super Bowl, but they didn't get, like, outclassed in that game. No, they didn't. And then, you know, he they did get Cutler, at least. But Cutler, as talented as he was, he wasn't really a winner, <laughs> no. you know? So it's... He's a winner on social media. Yeah, yeah. I freaking yeah. love that guy. Especially when he's smoking. Smoking oh, Jay Cutler is just awesome, isn't it? <laughs> okay, we should probably wrap this yeah, up. I good. am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.